0: What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Stephanie Poetry over Zoom video. Stephanie was born and raised in Jakarta, in Indonesia, and she talks about how she got into music. Was born and raised into a very musical family. Her mom is a very well-known singer-songwriter in Indonesia. She's also a judge on The Voice Indonesia and American Idol Indonesia. So Stephanie was always surrounded by music, but it's also something her mom didn't push onto her kids. So she was in piano lessons at an early age, but she wasn't that into it. So her mom wasn't one to say, you have to do this, you have to play an instrument. So she fell into music a little bit later. She could always sing. She talked about having the opportunity to sing a cover song that made it onto a film in Indonesia. After she finished school, she took a gap year to learn production. She really wanted to be a producer. So she took a production class. And in that class is when she wrote the song, I Love You 3000, which is a massive, massive song. Millions of views on YouTube, over 200 million streams on Spotify. It became a huge song. So she talks about that moment, getting signed to 88 Rising, moving to Los Angeles to work on her songwriting, and then having the pandemic hit, having to move back to Indonesia. While in Indonesia, she wrote and recorded the EP AM, PM. When she made it back to LA, Stephanie talks about writing and releasing O To Be In Love, and we hear all about her new sound and the new song called Invited. You can watch our interview with Stephanie on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringin' It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringin' Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well. And hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Stephanie Poetry. This is about you and your journey in music and uh, how you got to where you are now. First off, where tell me, you were you born and raised in Indonesia and in Jakarta? Is that where you were born and raised? Mm-hmm. What was that like? Tell me about. It. I just interviewed Nikki, who I think is your label mate. Yeah, on there. she's so also, also from from there, which was really cool yeah. to when I saw that and put that together. But talk talk to me about your your journey there.
1: Um, well, <laughs> um, my dad's from Texas and my mom's Indonesian, um, and so I grew up kind of just like b- all, born and raised in Indonesia, but I used to go to Houston a lot to. To say hi and stuff oh wow. um but yeah, so i I don't know I feel like i I am Indonesian, <laughs> but lucky <laughs> enough my dad uh my dad finessed a American citizenship when I was born for me, so um it's very easy for me to to work here
0: <laughs> okay so <laughs> Which, you're in the, are you in the states now or are you in Indonesia yeah oh,
1: I, live okay. in, I live in l a
0: now oh very cool awesome so did you spend most of your childhood then though uh growing up uh in indonesia where you and then you just kind of come back here to to see your dad and to now work obviously
1: pretty much yeah it was it's like um well i like my dad was in indonesia with me when i was growing up he was my school principal actually
0: oh um, interesting
1: but yeah. <laughs> we specifically go here for the texas barbecue <laughs>
0: okay i my family and I recently moved to Nashville, but um before we moved here, we went to houston and we were, we were we were like this close to moving to Houston, but it didn't work out.
1: You should have
0: yeah, we we're looking at like place. Haiti, Texas, and like Sugarland, I think it was another spot <laughs> down there <laughs>
1: Sugarland
0: is that what it's called is there sugarland or something i' I've,
1: like I've never heard of Sugarland, but it sounds like Texas, <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Um, and you have, your mom is a, a musician, correct? Like you come from a musical roots. Um, yeah. and how did you get into music were you would kind of from mom at an early age?
1: Um, yeah, I think like growing up, I was just always tagging along with her to her shows and she used to like be, a um, a judge on Indonesian Idol mm-hmm. and also a coach at, in the voice. So I just kind of like joined her along those fun little, um, activities, but mostly I would say, like, she didn't really like teach me a lot about it. Mm -hmm. It was very much like, um, learn as you go. Cause she never wanted to like pressure any of her kids to do anything they didn't want to do. Um, which kind of made it so that all of her kids now don't really know anything. Like we were all kind of like, mom, like, why did you push us to like stick to things because basically when we were young you know we would take a piano lesson if we asked and then if we got like bored of it we would just tell her and she'd be like okay let's move on to the next thing but now it's like we all know how to we all know the basics of everything but we don't know like how to do anything really well because she just let us give up a lot Um, Uh, okay but it was because she she didn't didn't want to be like a tiger
0: mom you know yeah she was probably like well if i because she is in the industry and is a musician maybe she thought like if she was like oh no you need to do the piano like you you have to at least do the piano you might resent her or resent the instrument not want to do it at all right at that point you might be like well this is a chore i'm not gonna do this
1: yeah definitely she was like being a good mom we're just we're just like as we are older we're like dang we wish we had that little thing that we did growing up like For sure. We wish we were professional
0: ice skaters or something. So were you involved in a lot of things? And like, so if you were doing piano and then you stopped or. Yeah. I don't know if you did ice skating, but whatever it may be, was, were those things that you kind of did for a little bit of time? Was there, aside from maybe music, was that something that you kind of took a passion for? You know, um, early on in life or not as much?
1: Yeah, actually, I thought I was going to do art, like visual arts for the rest oh. of my life. I was really into that. My mom was a really great painter as well. And um, that was the one thing that I forced her to like teach me because okay. she was really good. And I was like, it's free art lesson mom. Um, <laughs> not realizing she literally is like working all the time. So her free time, I end up stealing um, but yeah, I really thought I was going to do art, like graphic design or, um, just like things like that. But I got into music cause I really wanted to be a producer
0: Oh. and okay. then,
1: um, yeah, but, um,
0: what drew you to wanting to produce? Was it just the idea of making, you know, music on the computer or, or what was that kind of pulled you towards that? Do you remember?
1: It was like, I got into K-pop. And then I thought the production was really fun. And so I really wanted to learn how to produce for K-pop one day. Um, And so I took a gap year before I went to college and I took a production class. And then while I was taking that class, it was like a five month course or something. Like my brother took it cause he's like a DJ and he wanted to learn. Um, And so I took it uh, in 2019. And then I wanted to put music out to like put my name out there in case people want to like hire me as a writer or something. And um, my f- second ever song was I Love You 3000, mm-hmm. um, which ended up doing really, really well.
0: <laughs> so I did Little not bit. finish that production class. <laughs> I had like
1: th- I had like two months left. But oh, when I put so it you out did you not
0: end up finishing it? Because no, you're like, well, this
1: 88 oh. Rising was like, Hey, do you want to come to the US to to promote a shit? And I was like, okay.
0: I'm like, of course I do. Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, I got two months left in this class.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was am like, I'm, no, I'm sorry.
0: I'm <laughs> like, I may pick I, up something very important. I
1: did end up skipping the one thing I did I was scared of because apparently a month after I, I did it, like I left to the US to promote it, like we had a my friend who was in it. She was like, Yeah, we had to perform live and like DJ set. And that was the one thing I really didn't want to do because I know that I was going to mess it up somehow. And I was really nervous about it, like super anxious. So I'm I actually kind of, it worked out. I actually made it LV 1000 specifically. So I didn't have to do that one.
0: <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so you hadn't really wrote songs prior to doing that, or you said that was the second song you ever wrote.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, I had gosh. one song before that, that I wrote, but like, it was in Indonesian. Like, my mom translated it for me because mm-hmm. my Indonesian skills weren't that good. Um, oh, so you um, wrote it in
0: English, and then she translated it into Yeah, Indian.
1: and then we put out, like, Got both it. versions, but mm-hmm. the, like, main one was the Indonesian one. Um, and that one was, like, like very produced out and everything, whereas with I Love You 3000, it was, like, I was looking for a guitarist for me to perform stuff with, and then I was, like, hey, can you play the guitar on this? And then we, like, just sent it to a mixer that we found on like Facebook marketplace or something.
0: (laughs) That's wild. And then it becomes this massive song.
1: Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, so when you put out, cause you did like what a cover song was the very, very first thing. Like that was like, you
1: know,
0: 2015 or something.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That was was for a movie.
0: Yeah. So you did that. Was it just, did somebody reach out to you? Did you know, like how did, how did you get involved with that?
1: Yeah, I guess like the context is so there was a movie, I think like made in like nineteen ninety-nine or something. And it was like the biggest movie in Indonesia. And basically I think, like 16 years later or 10 years later, they wanted to do like a second version, like a like a sequel. Like okay. but it's like really far away. And the woman who the singer who made all the soundtrack for the first movie like she the singer and writer she is my friend's mom from my school and so she wanted her son to like reproduce one of the songs like one of the main songs because her son was really into production at the time and so and then she was like do you have a singer you want to invite on Um, because she wanted like new singers for like all these new versions and then he was like I guess I'll ask like someone for my grade. and so he asked me because um and I wasn't even the first one, <laughs> I wasn't even the first person he asked um, but he he asked me
0: He's like, oh so I'm second best yeah. like, what's going on here <laughs>
1: I wasn't because I wasn't like overtly a singer at the time like I had a, I had my best friend, I had a bunch of friends who were like doing the musicals at school and like doing performances. I literally just like I could sing, but I never really did anything because I was like shy. Mm -hmm. but yeah he asked me and then so I hopped on that um and yeah like and I I knew his mom as well like his mom was good friends with my mom because they were both singers Mm -hmm. but yeah so that's kind of how it came to be
0: (laughs) wow I mean that's a great song and obviously it made the film and everything so that must have been a pretty cool moment to to hear that song and was that the first time you ever really like recorded something or Mm -hmm.
1: Well, like yes, kind of. Well, my mm-hmm. mom had a couple songs where she wanted her kids to like sing in it. Oh like, wow! There was a couple. I think mean, the first time I ever recorded was, so my mom wrote a song for all of her kids. She has a song specifically for all of us, and mine was under mine. Like, it was called Stephanie, mm-hmm. and I think I was like five or six. And then I remember we were in her bedroom, and her and my dad were trying to get me to like laugh and say random things. Cause throughout the song you hear like parts where I was ad-libbing going like, who do you think you are? Don't think about it. <laughs> like stuff like that. Um, so that was the first time I was like recording.
0: Recording. But, sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: wow.
0: Well, I have to go back and listen to it. That's pretty funny. It's I mean, that's really cool that, you, that she took the letch, you know, had you all involved in that way.
1: Yeah. We're when free. You were, we're free labor. Up... <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> when you were growing up like with, with your mom being on, you know, Idol and The Voice and all those things, was that something that, like, would you see her at home writing or, like, especially, like, now with your music career, do you bounce ideas off of your mom at all? Or are you guys two, two kind of separate entities when it comes to the industry?
1: I think we're very separate. And, I mean, I, like, show things to her when they're done. Because mm-hmm. I know that she'll always like, be positive about it.
0: Okay, I thought you were gonna be like she's always brutally honest. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>
1: yeah, it's like it's like if I ever feel down, I just like show her something because she's always like, "Ooh, this is so cool," even though it's like very not cool. Um, but she's just like a great <laughs> supportive person. Um, but yeah, like, I don't. We don't really do anything together. But um, recently because I started getting back into production because I wanted to um, like be a producer in the next five years like I have a five-year plan um I produced and wrote a song and then I sent it to her and I think she might be putting it out um but I told her to translate it in in, to Indonesian because um I think it'd be cooler in Indonesian
0: (laughs) wow that's awesome so you've wrote a song and pitched it to your mom and she's gonna probably she's gonna cut it for her what next record or something or for yeah possibly that's awesome
1: I think she's I think she's trying to like find the right time for it. Yeah.
0: Well that's special. Wow. That's really cool to to be able to do that and write a song, you know, for your mom or with your mom. Um yeah. so you joined you wanted to be a producer. Was there a producer you were looking up to that kind of made you wanna go that route or
1: um I think I think it was more so like there was like a specific genre that got me just, really
0: into producers. Just K-pop. It was, was it like K-pop,
1: K- but specifically. Do you remember in 2016 when every song on the radio was like tropical house?
0: Oh yeah, like I was a Ky-Go tropical stuff? house
1: stand. Yeah, like so basically, I was really into like Kygo, Jonas Blue, okay. um, like Major Lazer, like those DJs slash producers at the time, and I really wanted to be one of them because also at the time a lot of K-pop artists were doing tropical house. Uh uh-huh. Um, and so it all just kind of matched together and inspired me to want to learn. Um, yeah. the only thing with those DJs is like, I re- I want to DJ. I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm not set for going like this. Like, I feel like i'm just gonna want to sing you know but i recently made a friend um elefante who's a dj and he plays guitar Like he doesn't oh, really do this he like plays guitar on his songs while yeah
0: he i've so had him on my cool. podcast like oh you did like in 2019 yeah i had him on when, when it, we did it in person when he, he came to san diego i was cool. i'm originally from san diego and uh a couple of years ago we moved to Nashville, but when i when we started this podcast in like 2018 or whatever it was all obviously in person There was no pandemic Mm. and Mm -hmm. yeah elefante came on he's 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 a really cool really cool guy and yeah he does all he does guitar live and um i think uh griffin doesn't he do that too he plays instruments live
1: possibly yeah there's some some of those
0: guys will do that and it's funny that you're like, I don't want to do like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll plug a USB in. That's that's what I'll do. Uh, but are um, you into EDM music
0: at all? Yeah, yeah, I, I am. I'm into all genres of music. Um, I've had a bunch of different genres on on my podcast, but um, but yeah, I, 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 lo- I like it. I've, I've had, we've had Slushy on, and um, I'm trying to think who else Griffin, uh, Tropic, uh, I don't know. It's, other people i I can't think off the top of my head right now, but yeah, it's obviously. it's really interesting to hear here because it's a different like up uh, you know br- upbringing when it comes to to Djing and, el- and producing electric music versus like, oh yeah, I got a guitar and then I started mm-hmm. this band and then blah blah blah. it's like it's just such a different path. And I think mm-hmm. nowadays it's such a massive uh genre of music, obviously uh that people are interested to hear well how did they do the because i didn't know much about it before i really started asking questions it was just like oh that's cool like you can make music on the whatever (laughs) you know dj or whatever i didn't really understand what wasn't what what kind of it it all entailed but it's a lot of stuff and it's um so you were more just interested in the production of it it wasn't like i want to go dj like a massive festival or, or whatever
1: yeah, I think it's really funny because my brother is a DJ and I think he specifically focuses on the DJing part and I like the producing part. Um, but yeah, I just I think maybe it's also because I grew up with, like seeing my mom perform mm-hmm. and I was like more attracted to that than just DJing. Um, but hey, we can do whatever we want, you know,
0: <laughs> right, we can make right. our own
1: show. Like, what are they going to do? Tell us to stop.
0: That's a beauty, right? <laughs> they can't. Um, with, with that, like you, you remember going to see your mom performing really young. I mean, you said you'd go with her to TV sets. Was that a, like a cool thing or were you like bored there? I mean, sometimes you'll hear people like, yeah, and then my kid was just kind of sitting out of the corner and didn't really care about what was
1: happening. <laughs> I was not an iPad kid. <laughs> iPad okay. didn't exist yet, but uh, it was like, it was really fun. Cause I was also like one of those kids that like love attention and so I was walking around, annoying as hell, like trying to, you know, talk to everybody, um, backstage. So okay. to me, I just remember, you know, meeting a lot of people, and which is why now, it's like, whenever I meet people, they're like, "I remember when you were this tall," and I was like, "Yeah, how?" They're like <laughs> backstage on in this place, and I was like, "Oh yeah, sounds like me."
0: That must be wild. Yeah, you're you're now. They're seeing you grown and with a career, and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like Stephanie was this little girl, like running around backstage, and now look at you, you know, accomplished. Do you remember seeing people like get that guy like knocked off the stage, like 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 they would get like turned down or whatever? Like, okay, you're voted off tonight. Like.
1: I yeah, think I was means- too young to like comprehend what was happening other than that people were singing.
0: Okay. Um for sure. I've
1: definitely seen people. Um but yeah, I like maybe at cause they shoot so late that when it does come to that point, I'm like dead asleep. Okay. Going on the scenes. Like I'm You're
0: watching the like final yeah. five and like somebody's just heartbreak on stage. Yeah.
1: I think I tried to like watch the finale. Um but I don't know. When you're young, you're not focusing on the person who's losing. You're focusing on the person winning. The winner, so right. happy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: that's but yeah. cool. Well, um, okay. So you took this production class. In the class, that's when you wrote "I Love You 3000. And so, so I want to hear about that moment. Like, you know, you put the song together. I, I, from what I read and what I've learned about you in the song, is you just kind of went. You had what the the music behind it, and we're just like help me, I need a line for this song. And then somebody threw out, I love you 3000.
1: Yeah, it was, um, well, basically I was supposed to go out with friends and then they bailed on me. And then I did a Q&A on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I was like, because I've done this a couple of times before. I was like, give me a word or a phrase and I'll make it into like a short song. Usually it's like goofy mm-hmm. um, with like a couple serious ones sprinkled in. But the... um the avengers movie just came out so a bunch of people sent in i love you 3000 Mm -hmm. and then i just like made the chorus um like 10 minutes posted it on my story and then a bunch like the next day a bunch of people wanted the full song so i just originally i was just gonna record with my like bad mic at home and like put it out but my mom was like hey so this is where the nepo baby comes in i am a nepo baby. this is when my mom was (laughs) like hey um i love the song do you like Please record it and get a mixer and get like it legit done and I'll pay for it. And I was like, it's your money, girl. Um <laughs> so she girl. helped with that. And then I like recorded a music video on my phone, um, walking around Jakarta. And then yeah, that was pretty much how it happened. Like when I put it out, it was like, so I put it out through TuneCore. And with TuneCore, it's like, you know, you can put it out how how soon like how however soon you want right. so I didn't know that you were supposed to put it like two weeks before so the playlisters can playlist it like, yada, yada. Oh,
0: they can hear it beforehand yeah. and see if they but, want to playlist this sure
1: yeah but even if I did like I was nobody like I like in terms of with Spotify I didn't know anybody I didn't have a marketing budget I was an indie artist I had no label and everything so like even even then like nothing was gonna happen but I ended up putting it out like three days after i was done with everything i was just like what's the soonest i can post it
0: uh-huh.
1: and then um it came out and i think like the first week the first three days it had like ten thousand views on youtube it was like kind of like it did better than my other stuff but i was yeah it, was, but it wasn't it was like blowing. Up. i was like right. Ooh, oh my god i'm famous um and then <laughs> in a week it had a million views and i was like whoa what's happening you're like
0: now i'm famous
1: Yeah, and then in two (laughs) weeks I had five million. Oh
0: shit!
1: And then so I was like, "What is happening?" But I remember I was still going to class, and none like my friends knew about the song, but like they knew it because of me. Like they they didn't know it was like going big or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So they were just like, "Oh, this is this cool." And then I remembered like Indonesia didn't realize how well it was doing, but the U.S. like the Western market was because I was getting like. 10 emails a day from labels from the U S but it took another two weeks for labels in Indonesia to reach out.
0: Interesting. So it seems
1: like the U S just has a better grip on like, on like data maybe.
0: Well that I feel like, yeah, a lot of the people are just watching that. Like when something starts trending, it's like uh, other artists I've, I've talked to that have like had that viral moment that, you know, maybe ended up, getting signed and putting a bunch of records out but it's always like once that first thing starts to really do something then the managers and people that are seeking that stuff out will come out of the woodwork and be like oh hey uh stephanie what do you got going on like what's up with the song (laughs) but um that's interesting it took a couple of uh weeks for the indonesian labels to come towards you but what was there like when the the u.s labels were reaching out were you just not like, were you overwhelmed or like, uh, why did you kind of wait or did you not wait?
1: Basically, my mom had a manager, so she kind of took a look at all the labels and then she like made me a list of all the like big labels, um, all the major labels and stuff. But then we saw this one email that was not from 88, but it was from a company that was distributing 88 at the time. And they were like, you know, we'd love to talk. And then at the time, like I like my biggest song, like my most played song of the year before that was "Midsummer Madness" from 88 Rising. So I was like, "Oh!" Um, and then I got into contact with the CEO of 88, and then we just started talking. And um, yeah, I think it it's definitely like just immediate. Like I knew immediately I wanted to work with them, just mm-hmm. because I've heard a lot of horror stories of people signing with major labels and then, you know. then they own your masters, but they don't do anything. Whereas with 88, I already knew that like they, A, have worked with two Indonesians before that. So like they know the vibes, but also like it seemed like they were able to um, help you out and stuff like that. So like there hasn't been a time when they haven't allowed me to put music on and stuff like that. So it's like been such an amazing um, ride with them. Um, So yeah, it kind of I definitely was biased from the start. I was like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs>
0: I was like, wow. like, yeah, um, yeah, I'm pretty confident I want to go with them. Yeah. Like, even though there's a bunch of other people kind of poking out of the uh or sending you emails and stuff. So like when you you said you put it up on your story, like did you have a big following on Instagram at the time?
1: I or had like enough because of my mom, but also I did like a couple. Like little things here and there like I would do I did this like goofy um, reality show when I was 14 for like YouTube and then but it was mostly from my mom like if I had to remember maybe I had like 300,000 followers
0: that's the, um, yeah
1: which is a lot like yeah, it's, that's a lot
0: I yeah. mean now you have like a million more than that which is <laughs> wild but um, yeah so people were going up but even having 300,000 followers just because you posted something on your story doesn't necessarily mean anyone's going to seek it out, but they did, you know?
1: Yeah. I think it was, it was more so like, I remember the song blew up because a bunch of Indonesian like influencers and actors and singers like found it, like just like on YouTube or something. And then they put it on their story being like, yo, the song is great. And then, like, would tag me on Instagram, and these people would be people with like one, five, ten million followers.
0: Oh, wow!
1: And so that's how it made the rounds. Like, it was like, Dev, I think it was one of the most um, natural way a song could blow up because this was not. It didn't blow up on TikTok, right? It didn't. Blow yeah, it was up. like
0: that's what I that's what I think is really fascinating. Sorry, yeah. it didn't blow up on TikTok. It didn't really. It blew up on YouTube. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, pretty much youtube and like it was apparently shared a lot like i went to the spotify office like a month after the song came out and they were showing me the data they were like yeah like people are specifically looking up your name which is very rare like they don't they're not finding you through playlists they're literally like you could see that this like your link was sent on like dms or messages and i was like oh it's cool i don't know what that means like cool
0: (laughs) They're like, yeah, that's great <laughs> They're just like mind blown like, oh my God, we didn't have to like put an editorial put you on like an editorial playlist yeah. or anything. um, so you have these conversations. That was the second song you said you ever wrote, and then all of these people are reaching out and like you know getting this attention. Were you concerned at all about, okay, well, I don't really have like a back catalog of songs, and this thing is like taking off uh you know is this gonna happen again or like like what was your where was your mindset after having all you know all these people like then reaching out on this one song that was really the second thing you had ever done
1: yeah i mean i don't know i was mostly thinking about how cool it was i was on like cloud nine
0: mm-hmm.
1: i didn't really think about the the, the song part um so <laughs> sorry bless you Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so the the two songs I have after were pitch songs, um, by like amazing writers and producers. So but eighty eight found those songs for me, okay. and then after that, it was sad because I wanted to start doing sessions and stuff because you know honestly my passion is songwriting as well. But then uh, I had to go back home to Indonesia because of the pandemic. So I after that I didn't even get to start writing until like I'd say. 2022, I moved back here and that's when I started being like a singer songwriter, not just like taking pitch songs.
0: Yeah. So the whole time during the pandemic, were you still doing the pitch songs like straight to you and all and selfish in those ones?
1: Selfish was a pitch song straight to you was like a song I did like a week before I flew back to Indonesia.
0: Okay. Um,
1: But yeah, it was like a, a lot of Zoom stuff, which... I don't know. I feel like Zoom sessions don't help you as a writer as much because you don't get to like get better. I was in Indonesia. The time zones were weird. I was up at like three a.m. calling these producers from the U.S. that like, you know, mostly were like hip hop R&B producers Mm because 88 Rising connected me with them. Right. Um, But now it's like I I have my like favorite roster of like pop producers. I'm a pop girl. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it was detrimental that I found pop people, um, but yeah, like better place, better place now as a writer.
0: Yeah. And then you, what, when you went back to LA when it was okay to do so, or, you know,
1: when I got vaccinated,
0: yeah, I, I know. zoomed,
1: well, I didn't even mean to move here. I, I was here for a month to do work and stuff. And then, um, and then, you know, went to lockdown while I was supposed to go back. So I couldn't even fly back. And I was like, I guess I'll just move. I mean. I'm a citizen, like, what are they going to do? Um,
0: <laughs> what are they going to so, do? So,
1: yeah, I up and left. And the first time back from, to Indonesia was last year for Heading to the Clouds, Jakarta. Um, but yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. So when you were back in LA, is that when you wrote uh, like your EPs and stuff like the AMPM EP? Was that song? AMPM putting-
1: was fully during the pandemic.
0: Okay. And then yeah. oh, to Be In Love was when you got back? Yeah. Okay. I think, and-
1: yeah, To Be In Love was half while I was still in Indonesia.
0: Okay. And those are all songs that you had written like this over Zoom?
1: Um, One Bad Haircut I wrote by myself on guitar, and then I sent it over to a producer. Um, but other than that, it was mostly um, like in in person I oh think. in person
0: for O to be in love but like the even what about AMPM? you said that that was, AM/PM you know?
1: was fully zoom like nothing okay yeah it was just all over else. zoom yeah
0: okay and then you yeah the other one you bad haircut yeah and then so but you were back in la at that point yeah okay and then you you put out breakfast in bed at the end of the year as well uh-huh. um and you've you've done uh, you know a handful of other singles you recently was in, uh invited in are you putting together like an album or like what, what are doing singles? Like what, tell me about invited. And then I want to hear kind of what you have coming, coming up.
1: Yeah. Um. So I would say after, Oh, to be in love and like breakfast in bed, like I realized a lot of this stuff I was writing was very pandemic coded. Like it was very slow and chill. And then I started doing shows and touring and I was like, this is so boring. So me and the team kind of, we sat down and we made a new sound for us. So astrologically logical invited and all the Mm -hmm. new stuff is this new sound I'm doing. And it uh, is just like more upbeat, a little grungier. Um, It's perfect for like performances and stuff. Uh Um, And that all will, I don't know if it's all going to lead up to a project, but it's all like a new sound that I'm doing.
0: Very cool. And were you, you yeah, when you decided to change the sound a little bit, were you, at all concerned or like, you know, are people going to dig the new, you know, the sound from me or did you just figure like, you know, my fans are so, I don't know. Were you worried about putting out something that didn't sound quite the same as your other songs?
1: Um, I think it was less like so concerned, but I was like, I was like excited to do it, but I knew that it was going to like, go to a different part of dsps because it's not as i was always putting like the chill coffee playlist uh, all my right. songs are so chill um so i knew that i was gonna have to kind of rebuild some of my fan base especially the ones that like only know my music and aren't like necessarily like following me for everything mm-hmm. um and i think you know i think it's it's been cool, and I mean this. The numbers are definitely like different than before, but um, I think we're like getting a new, a new group of people to be interested because um, it's I'm like trying to get more of a more of like into that like indie alt world because I'm really into the, the music in there. So it's a it's a slow and steady progress.
0: Yeah, I, I love the songs that you've been putting out. Um, I was just listening to him earlier today. Uh I was curious, you said you were more into like the indie alt world now as far as like uh your the genre you listen to. Cause mm-hmm. you started off with, you know, you like the K-pop, like tropical pop producer thing. Like what are you listening to now, or was there like a band or a song or a vibe that you're like, oh, I want to kind of steer my music in this direction?
1: Um, I grew up really into like two-door cinema club and arctic monkeys oh, and sure. of monsters and men like those bands that were like um just like indie indie rock mm-hmm. kind of and so i wanted to take a lot of inspiration from there um but like there was not a lot of feminine sounds you know it was it was a very masculine uh, genre at the time so sure. i'm like yeah. excited that i'm you know putting that more feminine ethereal twist to that genre
0: pretty much yeah i love it yeah monsters and men was kind of the closest thing i mean some of the because they yeah. had a the female vocalist but uh but yeah arctic monkeys and yeah all that was pretty pretty masculine forward for sure um well i love what you're doing um you said you you did uh, a, a show you're are you doing more shows i mean
1: yeah coming i mean, up or i have a couple festivals and then I'm trying to open for a lot of artists, a lot of my friends. Um it's just like weird because I started off very lucky where I immediately had a full band, immediately had a tour manager, all of these things. And then now I'm like trying to we're trying to uh budget better. So now I'm trying to do everything myself. And so two months ago I won tour with Lynn Lapid. And I was my own everything. It was just like just me, and um, definitely oh, wow. needed it for for my for my soul. I think for my character growth, but it yeah. was hard. Humbling so a little bit. Everyone, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Wow. So now you're rebuilding the team. Sounds like. And oh uh,
1: yeah, it's uh, it's it's really cool. I mean, I when I I didn't have a manager when I started with Idiot Rising, so I ended up having managers that were like in the label mm. and then i have a, a whole team now and part of it is that 88 started hiring a lot of people <laughs> recently
0: that's so, good that's a good thing yeah, for the label so and for i went you, I'm from sure. like having to fight
1: for um attention to now always having somebody to text which is really nice but
0: that's awesome
1: that's the vibes
0: very cool well thank you so much stephanie for doing this i really really appreciate of that.
1: course thank you
0: yeah you have oh i have one more question actually for you okay. sorry I almost forgot to ask you the last question I ask every guest. My, this that's where my headset today. I, I don't know what the hell's going on right now.
1: It's the Dallas heat. Wait, Nashville
0: uh, heat. Nashville heat. I think it's because my wife's been having me get up in the morning and walk with her like super early. Um, and I don't know. It's just it's like for your my, health. It is for my health, but it's like <laughs> like knocking me off, the, yeah. off track. I'm like, shit, like <laughs> probably because I've been up since five <laughs> walking around. Yeah. Um, no, so I'm sorry. Uh, I was gonna say, do you have any advice for aspiring artists?
1: Oh, my advice is to stay be kind and like stay kind, because I think a lot of artists think that oh, you're the artist, you're the client, you're the you're the main person that you can stop trying to treat people with as much respect and kindness as you can. Because what are they gonna do? But at the end of the day, like like the best thing you can do is to have a team of people who who like you. You know, most of all, but also to just be a good person, I think don't let your your position get in your head because you don't want to be a meanie.